0: We pray with me. Heavenly Father, you did not spare your own son, but offered him up to be sacrificed for us. And Lord Jesus, your sacrifice was perfect, for you said upon the cross, It is finished. Now, Lord, would you grant us grace to live in the glory of the cross. Meet us now, Lord, in this moment of expositing your word, your scriptures, Lord. May we be edified. May we come to know you more fully and to put our trust more fully in your grace shown perfectly on Calvary. Come, Holy Spirit, come and fill this place, fill every place where those who are gathered uh, on the live stream are. Lord, fill our hearts, Lord, to overflowing, and Lord, speak through me now that my words would be your words and your truth would be spoken, heard, and received deep in our hearts here today. For we ask it in Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. amen, amen. Please be seated. I wonder what in particular moves you on Good Friday. Perhaps you're brought to tears even on this day. I mean, that's certainly a common thing to happen on this day. Uh, but I wonder, what is it that brings you to tears? My guess is that for most of us, we're brought to tears as the agony of the cross becomes vivid to us. We shed tears over the terrible torture our beloved Jesus endured on this day, the horrendous price He paid. I've been known to do that more, uh, than one, on, on more than one occasion. And on one occasion in particular, I remember I did more than just shed a tear I'll never forget Good Friday, April 14th, 1995. It was my senior year of college, and I was volunteering with the youth group at the church I attended there in Winston-Salem. And um, we were doing on Good Friday for the youth uh, Stations of the Cross, kind of wandering around the grounds of the church, doing the Stations of the Cross. And I remember going from station to station, and uh, with the group at each station, as we moved along, there just came a, a greater and greater burden upon my shoulders. I felt a deeper and deeper sense of heartbreaking grief. And it was not just that Jesus had to endure such pain, it wasn't just sympathy for Jesus. But what grieved me most was that I was the cause of of his pain. You see, at this point in my life, I thought I had the world by by a string. You know, I I had, uh, at least I thought I did, I I, I had what everybody thinks they want at that stage in life. I I had a pretty girlfriend. I had a uh, a, a graduate graduation coming up in just a few weeks' time. I was going to graduate with honors. I had a good job already lined up. And that wouldn't start until after I got back from a backpacking trip in Europe. I mean, I was living the high life. And yet, on that good Friday, I knew that all of that was window dressing over my sinful heart that was full of all kinds of And insecurity. And so, as we made our way to the last few stations, I started to well up a bit. And then at the second to last station, I was downright crying. And then we finished up at the final station as Jesus is placed in the tomb. And I, I squeaked to one of the other leaders Hey, I'll have to catch up with you later. I needed a minute by myself. And with this Stations of the Cross, we ended up right up in front of the altar, kind of like here, and in the church at St. Paul's Winston-Salem, just like here, there's a stained glass window over the east end of the church with a depiction of the crucifixion. It's called the Passion of Our Lord window. And so as I stood there looking up at the pained face of the Lord upon the cross, my heart was rent asunder, open wide, and my culpability was exposed fully. And then I not only cried; I heaved with sobs. I could barely breathe. Nose running, just, just sobbing and sobbing and sobbing and. And so Good Friday and the reality of the cross of Christ Jesus can do something like that to us. Our sin is before us, and the price paid for our sin is before us, and it will rack us with guilt and with grief. And that's, of course, a valid and indeed necessary response on Good Friday. But this year, I want to suggest that there might be another reason for tears over the cross of Christ. What if today we were moved to tears of joy? As we stand amazed at not only the depth of our depravity, but also at the full measure of Jesus' love for us as evidenced by what He has accomplished on the cross on our behalf. And so I think the author uh, to the letter to the Hebrews, of the letter to the Hebrews, he helps us in this. So if you would, Take those pew Bibles in front of you, or if you have a Bible at home, open them to chapter 10, verses 1 to 25. That's where I want to spend a little bit of time today. It's page 1006 in the pew Bibles, if you're here. Matthew, I mean, sorry, Hebrews 10, 1 to 25. So, speaking of full measure... The writer to the Hebrews has a measurement that he uses on a few occasions uh, in this letter as to what the target measurement is for the believer. Like, what's what's measuring up look like? It's simply this perfection. Perfection. The believer is to be made perfect. What he writes in verse 1 is that there is a problem, though, with hitting that measurement. Uh, in the believer's current circumstance under the law. Specifically, the sacrificial system of the temple. So there's this recognition that sin is real in the people of Israel. They they understand that. They understand that there's a need for cleansing of that sin. That's real. The problem is is that the, the, the available cleanser doesn't get the job done. It doesn't make them perfect. The stain of sin can only be washed out, we know, by sacrificial blood. We see that all the way through the Scriptures. And so the priests, they offer blood sacrifices for the sins of the people every year. Year after year, they offer the sacrifices of bulls and goats, animals. And year after year after year after year, after year they do this. But the writer makes this logical observation in verse 2 that if these sacrifices were effective in removing the stain, wouldn't they have ceased making them? But in fact, he argues in verse 3, the repetition of these sacrifices actually highlights the reality of sin every year. It's like when you try some new stain remover on your chair to get that pesky stain out off, and it actually makes it worse. Or it's like what I was doing today, sweeping my porch of all the pollen. It's not going to last. It's not going to work. These yearly sacrifices stand as a reminder that perfection is not being achieved. And there is one very obvious reason for this. Verse 4 For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. That is, it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away the sins of people. Because we're not bulls or goats, are we? There's a mismatch. And if you really want to talk about it, go deeper, it doesn't seem to even take care of the sins of bulls and goats either, because we keep having to do it for them too. All of creation stays fallen, imperfect. It's not right. We're not there yet. It's, not a mis- it's a mismatch. There's only one kind of body that can be sacrificed to make us, this sinful humanity, perfect, right? It must be, as the writer states in verse 5, a body prepared by God, the body of the one who has, verse 7, come to do the will of God, namely the Christ, the Son of the living God. So the Christ comes to do away with the futile temple sacrifices of the animals and does the will of God by being sacrificed himself. Verses 9 to 10. He does away with the first in order to establish the second. And by that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. This blood is a match. And by the cleansing of this blood, the stain of sin is taken away to perfection. And then in verses 11 to 14, the writer offers contrasting images that I think drive home the the point very well. So in the tabernacles before the temple and then in the temple, uh, once the temple was built, there were no chairs allowed. No chairs allowed for the priests. The priests are made to stand continually. Why? Well, this is to make certain that the priests know that they cannot sit in the presence of God as if they had somehow accomplished their task. They must continue to stand. They must always stand. And the writer to the Hebrews picks up on this in verse 11 when he writes, Every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. And he then contrasts this with Christ's sacrifice in verse 12. He writes, But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. So this priest's sacrifice is different. This Jesus, after he does his service, he takes a seat. More than that, he kicks up his feet on the enemies. He has just wiped out those being sin, death, and the devil. In the passion narrative from John's gospel that we just heard, there's a unique detail given at the end. It's only in John's gospel. In John's gospel, we hear Jesus' last words before he gave up his spirit. What does he say? He says, it is finished. It is finished. The once for all sacrifice to make sinful mankind perfect has been made and it is finished. Perfection before the eyes of Almighty God has been achieved. So, for those who put their faith in that perfect sacrificial blood of Christ Jesus, shed upon the cross, there is full assurance of salvation. You have been made perfectly clean. No more sacrificial offerings need be made. It is finished. And I can't improve on how the writer to the Hebrews outlines what comes as a result of this fact. He writes in verses 19 and following, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh, and since we have, been, we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. You know, some of us have received the, the COVID vaccine, haven't we? I just got my second shot yesterday. And I've heard of people getting emotional about it, you know, even shedding a tear. Welling up when they get the shot. And I think those are tears of joy. Maybe relief at the efficacy of this medicine to eradicate the the coronavirus from our lives. It is a glorious thing to have disease cleansed away like that, isn't it? It's moving, even. But we might still need booster shots eventually. There might be another virus that comes in the future. I hate to say it, friends, it's not finished. But in the cross of Christ, it is finished. Death is defeated, and He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come again to bring us to himself. As we see the cross today, let us see how good this Friday really is. And let that bring us to tears. Amen.